0: drama, *The Postman Always Rings Twice*, based on the famous novel by James M. Cain. It stars Lana Turner as Cora Smith and John Garfield as Frank Chambers. The Lady Esther Screen Guild players in *The Postman Always Rings Twice*.
1: joint, I mean. You can see one on any road in America. An old wooden house that had been remodeled, a lunchroom added in on the front, and a gasoline pump out in the yard. A sign was hanging on the pump. Man wanted. So I opened the door and walked in. She was standing there near the counter, dressed all in white, white and cool on that hot afternoon, and looking at me as if I was dirt. She didn't fool me, though. Not even that. She was dynamite and a cake of ice. I knew it. She knew it. She knew I knew it. And when she found, she couldn't stand me down.
2: Something you want?
1: Not a thing. I just work here.
2: Oh, since when? Since you asked. Well, the best way not to be working here is to try and be funny. Just remember that, Mr. Smart Guy.
1: She was the boss's wife. Her name was Cora, Cora Smith. And every chance she got, she showed me she didn't like me. A lot. I knew I had to take it slow and easy, so I just stuck to my job and tried to get in solid with the boss. That part was a cinch. The poor guy had had so much trouble with help. By the end of the week, we were just like pals.
3: Oh, go ahead, Frank. Have some wine. We got to celebrate tonight. <laughs>
1: you're the boss, Nick.
3: Hey, Cora, some wine for you? No thanks. Oh, you're the one should be celebrating. You've been wanting that neon sign for two years. Frank, you ever see a finer sign than that? I never have. Honest, the way she kept begging for that sign, you'd think it was the most... Nick.
2: Nick, why don't you play something on the guitar? Yeah, why don't you, Nick?
3: Well, sure. Maybe Cora will do a little dance for us. She's a wonderful dancer.
2: No, I I always feel silly dancing alone. Put on a record, Nick, and I'll dance with you.
3: Listen to her, Frank. I keep telling her I'm like a lot of smart men. My brains are not in my feet. (laughs) Come on, Cora. How about me dancing with Mrs. Smith? Well,
4: I I don't feel. Why not?
3: Go ahead, Cora. I like to watch dancing.
1: That was the first time I ever had her in my arms. Right under Nick's nose. I didn't say a thing, and neither did she. But I guess we both knew. Then all of a sudden, she pulled away.
2: (sighs) Oh, that's enough, Nick. Save your strength. But Cora, you dance so nice together. Yeah, well, it's too hot to dance. I think I'll drive down to the beach for a swim.
3: Oh, that's a good idea. You haven't been out of this place for a month. I'll
2: go get my things. I won't be long.
3: Say, Nick, uh, why don't we all go down for a swim? Well, I don't swim very well, and and the undertow's pretty strong.
1: You mind if I ride down in the car with her?
3: Well, not if she doesn't. Thanks. Say, if
1: that undertow's so strong, I'm going to stay close to shore. (laughs)
4: I don't
2: know why you had to come along. You haven't even been near the water.
1: <laughs> I know. I promised Nick.
2: Promised him what?
1: That I'd stay close to shore. Tell me something. How did you ever come to marry him? That's none of your business. No need to get sore. You come from this part of California? No. Where then?
2: Don't laugh. Iowa.
1: Why that don't laugh?
2: Oh, that tired old joke. Everybody in Southern California is supposed to come from Iowa.
1: Did you uh, come here with Nick?
2: No, I I only met Nick four years ago. And the next question you asked before.
1: Maybe I knew the answer when
2: I asked. Oh, sure. You've got it all figured out. A smart little Jenny marries herself into a nice, steady business. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Smarty Pants. When I married Nick, he only had a couple of hundred dollars. Starting the Twin Oaks was my idea. And if it's making nice money by now, it's as much me as Nick.
1: That wasn't what I meant. Well, the rest is still none of your business. Okay. Your life. Sounds a little dull to me. Hmm, To you it would, from what Nick tells me about your ideas. What's wrong with my ideas? To have my fun now, not when I'm old and rich and retired? Oh, rich and retired.
2: I think you'll end up a first-rate tramp.
1: I don't think you'd think that at all. Come on. Let's go back. I wouldn't want Nick getting any
2: ideas. Listen, Nick hasn't any reason to get ideas.
1: I know he hasn't. Yet.
2: Well, I... I think we'd better be getting on home. Wait a minute.
4: Mm, thanks, thanks.
1: All right. I kissed you. Nick's got his reason. Now what?
4: Just what I told
2: you. We're going home.
1: All the way home, all the next morning, she wouldn't even talk to me. But I had a feeling it wasn't just because she was mad. So I waited till Nick had started for town, and then I walked into the kitchen.
2: Are you crazy? Where's Nick?
1: He just had a brainstorm and drove into L.A. He thinks the laundry service is cheating him. Cora, oh, honey. No,
2: no. No, wait, Frank. Please. I want to tell you something. What? Frank, about that question. What question? Why I married Nick.
1: Well, my answer is that Nick came along at the right time with a wedding ring.
2: Yeah, a wedding ring was the first thing he mentioned.
1: And, of course, you liked it. You'd always had to fight off a lot of guys.
2: A lot of guys. <laughs> All the guys. I don't especially like the way I look sometimes, but, but I never met a man since I was 14 who didn't want to give me an argument about it.
1: So by the time Nick came along, you were ready to marry anybody who owned a gold
2: watch. Well, I I told him I didn't love him. I told him...
1: And he said that come common time, but it didn't.
2: Oh, honest. I meant to stick by him. And, 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 and so,
1: so you married him and retired the undefeated champ.
2: Not 100% undefeated. Not now. Of oh. course. What's
1: that? Sounds like somebody trying to get in.
2: Was well, the lunchroom door locked?
1: Yeah. I must have locked it. Frank, they. They've gone
2: away. What time is it? Is it getting late?
1: It's almost six. Nick ought to be back in a half hour.
2: Frank. We're not going on like this, are we?
1: No. I've been thinking about us going away.
2: Well, that's what I've been thinking, too, almost ever since I saw you. Frank, I, I'll leave a note for Nick. But where
4: will we go? How
1: do I know? Depends on which way we can summarize.
2: Hmm, there goes another one whizzing by. Don't worry,
1: Cora. We'll get a lift.
2: But when? Oh, I don't know which is more tired, my thumb or my arches.
1: Wait a minute. Let's take time out. Yeah, sit on the bag. Now, let's
2: have it. What's on your mind? Frank, if I divorce Nick, he'll never give me a nickel. He'll keep the Twin Oaks and everything. What do we care? Well, maybe it doesn't mean anything to you, but I want to be somebody. And the Twin Oaks is mine. If I walk out like this, I'll lose all I put in it. And I'll never be anybody. Oh, I love you, Frank. And I want you. But not this way. Not starting off like a couple of trees. I'm going back.
1: Okay. You're the boss.
2: Well, please understand it. It's only because I love you and... Frank!
1: What's the matter now?
2: The note I left for Nick. Oh, if he gets home before we do. Well, where'd you leave it? In the cash
5: register.
1: The first place you look. Come on. Let's
2: get back there. here. Gee, we made it, Frank.
1: Not by much. Wait a minute. Isn't that Nick's car coming off the road? Oh, then I'd better put that bag away. Wait a minute. Why is he driving like that from side to
2: side? We must have been celebrating again. He's drunk.
1: He's a drunk or he's
2: crazy. Hey, look out!
4: Look look out! That truck! Boy, that
2: was
1: close. I wish he'd get into that car someday and get plastered and drive off a cliff.
4: Frank,
2: you don't mean that. You were joking sure i was joking of course you were joking of course
1: i couldn't get to sleep that night maybe i was afraid of sleep maybe i was afraid i'd dream and so i i went outside and i lit a cigarette and i walked around i i noticed the light was on in nick and corazon then almost without knowing it i was standing near their that window that's how i happened to hear what i did Oh, but Cora,
3: there's something to celebrate, isn't it? If I sell the Twin Oaks at a big profit.
2: But that's what I don't understand. We're making good money. Why sell out now? Well,
3: for one thing, so you can take it easy. We're going back to Michigan to live with my sister.
2: Your sister? You never even told me you had a sister.
3: Well, I didn't want to worry you. You see, she hasn't been well for the last few years. Sort of paralyzed. She needs us to take care of
2: her. Oh, you mean she needs me? She needs a free nurse. Well, now, Cora, please. I won't do it, Nick i won't let you sell half of this place ought to be mine more than half of it all of it and i'll stop you somehow
3: i don't think so cora remember when we got married that little paper you signed well
2: that just gave you the right to rent this place for us
3: that's what i let you think that paper was what they call a marriage settlement nick
2: nick you didn't do that to me why you thief you cheat you liar well after all i'd
3: only known you a couple of weeks i had to protect that house back in michigan But since you don't care about my sister, that paper can cover the Twin Oaks, too. Oh,
4: Nick.
1: (laughs) Cora. Cora, it's me.
2: Frank. Frank, what are you doing out here? I,
1: uh, I couldn't sleep. I was walking around. Cora, I was outside your window a little while ago. I, uh... I heard what Nick said. Well, I won't let him do it. I
2: uh, won't let him do it. I
1: don't know how you can stop him, Cora.
4: Frank,
2: do you love me? Yes. Do you love me so much that nothing else matters? Yes. Then there's one thing we could do that would fix up everything.
1: What? Pray for something to happen to Nick?
2: Mm, something like that. Cora! Well, you suggested it yourself this afternoon. I...
4: I was only joking.
2: Mm, were you? Yeah, yeah, I was. Or had you started to think about it a little? Uh, wait a minute, Cora. Frank, listen to me. I'm not what you think I am. I just want to keep this place and work hard and be something, that's all. You see, I, I've made a big mistake in my life. And, and I've got to be this way just once to fix it. They hang you for that. Oh, but not if you do it right. And you're a smart Frank. You'll think of a way.
1: He never did anything to
2: me. Sure he did. Maybe he didn't know it, but he did it to you and me, to both of us. Or don't you see, Frank, us, that's all that matters. You,
1: you really love me?
2: That much. That much. Oh, I'm no good, Frank. I, I'm no good. But I love you. It's in the cards.
1: Yeah. I guess it's in the cards. <laughs>
0: The second act of the Lady Esther Screen Gill play will follow in a moment. Now, a word from Lady Esther.
6: Tonight I have some really exciting news for you about a brand new shade of face powder created especially for summer. A new summer tan shade called Malibu Tan. I designed this smart new Malibu Tan to make you look like a divine sun goddess. And I named it after Malibu Beach in California. It's spelled M-A-L-I-B-U. Malibu Tan is a simply heavenly shade. Soft, subtle, and so flattering. It gives your skin a glorified, healthy, suntan look. The moment you try my new Lady Esther Malibu Tan, you'll say it's the most flattering summer tan powder you've ever seen. And the longer you wear it, the better you'll like it, because Malibu Tan will not change its color after it's on your skin. It never turns reddish, never gets that ugly orange tinge. Here at last is a summer tan shade of face powder, which holds its true color on your skin. Smart women everywhere will wear my new Malibu Tan this summer. It's the last word in fashion. All your summer clothes will look so much smarter if your skin has Malibu tan, flattering, suntan look. Be sure to wear it for evening wear, too. See how Malibu tan flatters your skin at night. And when you wear a low-necked, short-sleeved dress, use Malibu tan on your arms and neck as well as on your face. See what admiring glances you get, and see if your favorite man doesn't say, You look simply gorgeous tonight.
0: then the second act of The Postman Always Rings Twice, starring John Garfield and Lana Turner.
1: We didn't know how we were going to do it. We didn't have any plan. It was Nick himself who gave it to us. The following morning, he was feeling real good. Cora had made up with
3: bubbling over with ideas. Uh, This fellow who's buying the place, he wants me to meet him tomorrow morning in Santa Barbara. We can all drive up tonight and have a little celebration.
1: What do you mean we can all
3: drive up? Where do I come in? Well, I want you to meet him, Frank. I, I told him you'd manage the Twin Oaks for him. I gave you a pretty good recommendation.
2: Oh, thanks. Well, he doesn't get the place until tomorrow. Anything we take in today is still ours. Come on, let's get out there and get to work.
1: That's how she was all afternoon. Quiet, cold, deliberate. Until we had the plan all set and got ready to leave part of my job was to get Nick drunk, but I didn't have to try very hard. We started celebrating around four o'clock. By 7.30, it was getting dark, so we locked up the place and started out. Cora at the wheel, Nick and me, and a bottle of wine in the back seat. <laughs>
3: Come on, Frank. Let's have a little harmony, huh? All right. There's a long... You're making the wrong turn.
2: No, I'm not. This takes us right by Lake Sherwood. I've always wanted to see it, Nick.
3: Oh, well, sure. Why not? It's a long, long
4: dream.
1: And that's how we were when we reached the top of the pass, where the road is cut right from the side of the mountain. Nick was just having another drink when Cora stopped the car at the edge of
3: the cliff. Hey, hey what you stopping for, Cora? We got a long way to go.
2: Well, the engine's overheated. I... Better let it cool off.
3: Yeah, oh, that's right. Gotta save this little bus to take the mission. Hey, Nick, how about another song? We- we're going pretty good before. Come oh, on. sure, sure. Just hold this bottle, Frank. I'll start us off. Oh, pack, pack up, up your, your troubles, troubles in your old kid bag and smile, smile, smile. Oh. Frank.
4: Get out of the car, quick.
2: Stand by. I left the jump. Yeah, I left it in high. Good. We can hold it right off.
1: Did it. It'll be tough going from here. You sure you can go through it? Oh,
2: after seeing that, I can go through with anything.
1: You'll have to muss up your dress. Rip it up. I'll get down there and climb in the car. Rough myself up. Yeah. And when you're sure I'm inside, you can head down the road and start yelling for help. Are you positive you can take it, Cora? Oh yes.
2: There's just one thing now. Us. Nothing else matters.
1: The car had stopped halfway down the cliff, hung up on a little ledge. I scrambled down to it, climbed in the back and pulled the door open. Cora started. Yelling up on the road. And then all of a sudden the car slid forward. It began to gain speed, turned over twice, and then something hit me and everything went black. When I woke up, I, I was in the hospital. First, the doctor was there, and then the district attorney fellow named Sackett. He asked a lot of questions and wrote down everything I said, and then he opened the door and called to Cora. All right, Mr. Smith, you can see him
7: now. Thank you.
2: Hello, Frank. How
1: are you? Uh, shaking up a little, Mrs. Smith. Oh, your arm? Well, the doctor says it isn't broken. Uh,
7: how are you?
2: I must get hurt by a miracle.
7: That was a crazy stunt your husband pulled, Mrs. Smith. Reaching from the back, trying to grab the wheel. Yes,
2: poor Nick. He was so drunk.
7: Yeah. Well, I might as well get this report turned in. Chambers, you told the doctor you were driving? I was. Mrs. Smith told me that she was at the wheel. I was. How about that, Chambers?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, well, it, it seemed to me that I was driving, but... Uh, well, I couldn't be sure. I mean, well, I, I guess I'd been drinking a little too.
7: Yeah. I saw the chemist's report on your blood. You keep drinking like that for a few more years, and your blood's going to be 90 proof.
1: Well, I'm going to swear off that
7: stuff right now. That's a very good idea. You wouldn't want another accident like this. Next time, you might not get off so lucky.
1: They all took it like that, swallowed our story from start to finish. They brought me a lot of papers to sign and... And they checked me out of the hospital. And then Cora and I took the bus for home. All the way out, she never said one word. Just kept staring out of the window. But once we were back at the Twin Oaks again and the door was locked. And we knew we were safe. Frank. Yes, Cora?
2: Frank, are you sorry?
1: Well, not exactly. Sorry, I just sort of feel as though... Cora, let's clear out of here. Let's go somewhere, anywhere.
2: And give up this place? After what I've gone through to keep it? Oh, no, not in your life. What's the matter, Frank? Getting scared? Maybe I am.
1: Almost any minute, I expect to hear that guitar again. Or him singing the way, the way he was singing when I... Oh,
2: you're just using that for an excuse. You want to go away because you still think it's fun to be a, a tramp.
1: Oh, Cora, please. You've
2: been trying to make a tramp out of me ever since you've known me. But you're not going to do it. I'm staying here.
1: All right. I'll do whatever you say. And you know why.
2: What do you mean I know what? Are you trying to say you're afraid of me? Afraid I might try to double-cross you? Go back to Sackett and try to pin the whole thing on you? course. So that's the truth of it. Oh. If you stay here, it's only because you're afraid to leave. That's not true. It isn't.
1: But maybe that's why you won't let me go. You're afraid that maybe I might squeal.
2: Maybe I am.
1: All right, then. We're hooked.
2: I guess maybe we are. But I won't feel so bad after we're married. Married? Well, there happens to be a law in this country, Frank. A a husband and wife can't testify against each other. I think maybe we'll both feel safer that way.
1: She didn't want to get married right away. She was afraid it might start people talking. So the next few weeks were pretty brutal. Her watching me, me watching her. Each of us scared of what the other might do. There were times I thought I couldn't stand it anymore. And then one evening, she came to me.
2: Frank, I think we'll get married tonight. Some little town down near the border. You bring out the car, and I'll go get my thing. Frank? Yes, Cora? Frank, before we're married, I want to know something and tell me the truth, because I'm going to tell the truth to you. What do you want to know? During these weeks, sometimes, you must have planned to run away. Why didn't you?
1: (laughs) Why didn't I? Because we're chained to each other. Ever since that night on the mountain, Cora. We were on top of a mountain. But it's been on top of us ever since that night.
2: Is that the only reason you didn't go away?
1: No. It was because of you and me.
2: Don't say you love me now.
1: The funny part is, I do.
2: No. No, that's not love, Frank. When fear comes into it, it isn't love anymore. Know, and I've got to know. I've got to know the truth, Frank. Frank, will you do something for me? Then I'll know. Oh, take me off to the beach, swimming. That place we went the first time you kissed me. Well, that's a funny thing. To... Oh, please, please, Frank, don't ask any questions. Just take me down to the beach, and I promise you, everything will be settled, one way or the other, before we come back.
1: Well, if it means so
2: much to you. Here, you take the next road to the right.
1: Don't you think we're out far enough? There's a rip tie tonight.
4: Yes,
2: I think this ought to be far
4: enough. Are you
2: tired? Oh, yes, very tired. How about you?
4: Well, I'm still all
2: right. I swim better than you, but I'm much stronger. Frank, Frank, this is what I meant. In the car.
4: What?
2: If you don't trust me completely if you don't believe I'd never turn on you. If you you don't want me to go back with you, you
4: you don't have to.
2: You can swim back by yourself. I'm too tired to make it And nobody will ever know. Cora.
4: Cora. (laughs) I didn't want to live without you.
1: Oh, Frank. Don't say another word, honey. Just save your breath. I'll take you in. (laughs) Are you, are you sure now?
2: Mm, I'm sure. I'm sure I love you. I'm sure we're going to be happy. Almost as happy as if all this had come to us before Nick.
1: That wasn't our luck, Cora, but we'll start out now. A brand new life. Yes,
2: a brand new life.
1: Let's kiss our man, huh?
2: Oh, no, no, not while you're driving. Come on, no. honey. Come on. <laughs> no, when we get home, Frank, then they'll be kisses, Kisses with dreams. Kisses that come from life, not just one little one. Now come go on. All right. Yes, yeah, one thing. <laughs> the
7: crowd! <laughs> <The laughs> Gentlemen of the jury, I tell you, this man is a mad dog. A mad dog that must be put out of the way to protect the homes and lives of our community. Cora Smith's letter, which we found in her room, proves without question that Frank Chambers helped her to kill her husband so that between them they could share his estate, but not content with his share, greedy and desirous of having it all for himself. He then conceived this fiendish plan to kill her, too. The evidence is complete and overwhelming. There is only one verdict that you can bring in. Guilty. Guilty of murder in the first degree.
4: Let him talk
1: doesn't matter what they say doesn't matter what they do to me now if I could only be sure that Cora knows that she understands how it happened if I could only be sure that somewhere somehow I'll have a chance to tell her and make her believe I never really wanted anything in the world but her hm. it's funny how it all works out it's just like when you're expecting a letter you hang around the front door Afraid you might not hear the postman ring. You forget that the postman always rings twice. Yeah. He rang twice for Cora, and now he's ringing twice for me.
0: John Garfield and Lana Turner for a most absorbing performance.
2: It was a pleasure to be here, Mr. Bradley. We know how much this radio program contributes to the Motion Picture Relief Fund and its country house, so we all feel it's a great privilege to share in that work. Now, before we tell you about next week's show, here's a word from one of America's best-known beauty authorities,
6: Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Turner. This summer, it's going to be smarter than ever to have a wonderful suntan. But how many women can get a suntan without having their skin get that coarse, parched, dried-out look? Well, I've discovered a new and quicker way to get a smooth, even tan. And keep your skin soft and smooth while you're tanning. It's so simple it sounds incredible. But I've seen the thrilling results on many women. Before you go out in the sun, just put a delicate film of Lady Esther cream over all your skin that's exposed. As soon as your skin absorbs the cream, apply more. Your skin will tan more quickly, and it won't get that parched, dried-out look. Lady Esther Cream gives your skin the tanning benefits of the sun, counteracts the drying effects, and helps nature refine your pores. Then when you've had enough sun, just wipe off my Lady Esther Cream and put on my heavenly new Malibu Tan face powder. Malibu Tan was specially created for summer to give your skin that smart, vital, suntan look. Malibu Tan is such a flattering suntan shade and never turns reddish on your skin, never gets that ugly orange tinge. If you want to look like a divine sun goddess, wear my new Malibu tan.
0: Next week, the Lady Esther Scream Guild players will present Rose Marie. It will star Jeanette MacDonald and Nelson Eddy. Be sure to listen. The Postman Always Rings Twice was produced and directed by Bill Lawrence, adapted by Harry Cronman, and was presented by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Living in a Big Way, starring Gene Kelly and Marie McDonald. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. John Garfield will soon be seen in the Enterprise production Body and Soul. Lana Turner appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor musical Fiesta. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther. Thank you and good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
7: Frank Crummett is here with me to say a word about Roy Tan cigars. Frank Crummett. I'm really a fan for Roy Tan, and the reason is Roy Tan has more long filler Havana tobacco, and yet it's a five cent cigar. Man to man, smoke Roy Tan.
8: evening, friends of the creaking door. This is your host to welcome you once again into the inner sanctum. Come on in for the crime of your life and meet one of the illustrious inmates from our Who's Who. (laughs) This cadaverous cut up is Mr. Seymour Blade. His wife had a tiff with him and a punctuated it with a kitchen knife through the middle, which is, of course, one way of making your point sting. (laughs) All right, then, lend a fear now to some grim happenings and hear what kind of profits our star Boris Karloff in the role of Mark Devers reaped when he put up death for sale. The ashtray in the reception room is stuffed with half-smoked cigarettes. The disheveled man waiting paces his caged animal steps this way and that. Each second his eyes dart to the door at the end of the room at the slightest sound. At last, the knob turns. The door swings wide open.: Well, doctor,
9: huh? your wife is in pretty bad shape. Corey, is my wife. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought
10: forget it. Bad shape. But she's going to pull out of it,
9: right? Uh, Mr. Devers... She's not going to pull out of it? Well, it, uh, it doesn't look as if she will. What? There's a chance, only a very small one, but still a chance.
10: You're lying.
9: She's going to pull out of it. She's got to. We're doing everything we can. Look,
10: even, even if she has to die, you could pull her out of it for an hour, couldn't you? Just an hour so that she could sign something. Mr. And Devers... It means everything to me, Doc. You could give her a shot or something, couldn't you? Good day, Mr. Devers. I'll give you 5000 Good $10, day. $10,000, Doc. And you fool! You don't understand! You've got to do this for me! You've got to! You've got to! You... The doctor doesn't understand. He'd do the same in my case. So would you. So would anybody. $50,000. I was one hour away from $50,000. Money that belongs to me, my money that i waited seven long years for, and I won't be cheated out of it. Seven long years. It all seems so simple then, and so sure. We had a perfect plan for $50,000, and nothing was going to keep us from it, and nothing did. Up to three weeks ago, That was when Cora called me at the office. I just thought she was imagining things again as she had right along. I told her so, but she said no. This man was watching her night and day.
5: He is, Mark. He's outside the house right now.
10: Oh, come now, Cora.
5: I tell you he is. Oh,
10: you're just imagining things again. Why don't you
5: try I'm not imagining anything. He's right outside the house, across the street, and I'm... You'll be
10: positive after seven years. I
5: know I've been wrong before, but this time I'm sure Elliot's come back and... (gasps) What? The doorbell just rang.
10: Who is it? Evelyn?
5: I suppose so. We're supposed to go to the movies together.
10: Good idea. Take your mind off believing everyone you see is Elliot Starnes.
5: You're not coming home, then?
10: Not till I've finished at the office.
5: All right, Mark. Suit yourself.
10: Goodbye, darling. Give my best to Evelyn. Mark? Oh, all right.
5: All right, I'm coming. I was on the phone,
4: Evelyn. (gasps)
9: Aren't you going to ask me in?
5: Oh, of course.
9: After all these years, you've probably forgotten who I am. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Elliot Starnes. Your beloved husband.
5: Elliot, you're,
9: you're supposed to be... Dead? The... Yes, I know I'm supposed to be, Cora. But as you can see, I'm very much alive.
5: I knew it was you this time. I know it.
9: I think you better ask me in, don't you? After all, it isn't very often that a husband comes back from the dead.
10: Back from the dead. That's what he was, all right. When Cora called me this time, I didn't say I couldn't leave the office. (laughs) All right, Cora, pull yourself together. But,
5: Mark, you don't understand. Oh,
10: yes, I do. You've been scared for the last seven years, and you're going to go on being scared for the rest of your life.
5: He wants $5,000 more to disappear again.
10: Well, I didn't expect him to come back just to say hello. Of course he wants
5: more money. What what are we going to do? He knows that we collect that 50,000 insurance money three weeks from now. He says if we don't come through with his five, he'll go straight to the insurance company and... Oh, don't
10: be a fool. He's in this thing as much as we are. He won't do anything to spoil his chances. All he wants is money.
5: The longer he's around, the more chance we take that somebody might recognize him. Mark, we can go to jail. We've
10: waited a long time to get our hands on this money, and I don't expect to be cheated out of it now.
5: You're going to give him the 5000
10: I don't know. Maybe. But... But you... nothing. When did he say he's coming back?
5: Tonight. After midnight.
10: All right. I'll be here. We'll handle Elliot once and for all. And after this time, there won't be any coming back. <laughs> I guess no matter how carefully you plan, there's always that one small thing you fail somehow to cover. Seven years before, I was sure we'd covered everything. And it was clever. Really clever. The law says that if a body isn't recovered after seven years' time, a man is declared legally dead. (laughs) So we found us a body, Cora and I did. We found Elliot Starnes and sold him on death. For $5,000. Sure, I'll do it.
9: I'll marry Cora and then disappear. For $5,000, you can sell me on
10: anything. He married Cora, and a little while after the policy was issued, his automobile was found at the bottom of Ridgely's Pond. The police dragged the water for days, but naturally didn't find the body, and the insurance people exercised their right to withhold payment till Elliot was declared legally dead.
5: I understand, gentlemen, and I don't even care about the money. All I care about is that my poor husband is dead.
8: It
10: was clever, all right, and Cora put on a good act. We knew we'd cash in while others had failed because we weren't anxious. We were willing to wait for seven years. And wait we did. It was a perfect plan. Nothing was going to keep us from it. Nothing except now. Elliot had come back. He swore he'd never return and he'd gone back on his word. But by midnight, I'd made up my mind how to handle Elliot.
5: No, Mark.
10: The only way. No! The only way. This five that he wants, that's only the beginning. He'll hold us up all his life. No! He'll drain us dry of every cent of that fifty thousand. I won't let you yes, do it. Yes, you well. We're in this far. You won't back down now.
5: I've got to. I never dreamed it would turn out like this.
10: Another few weeks and he'll be legally
5: dead. There must be another way. Only this,
10: believe me.
5: And after it's done,
10: it'll be you and me and nobody the
5: wiser.
10: (laughs) Go on. Open the door for
5: him. What? Cora.
10: Do what I say.
5: I can't. You've got to. All right.
10: I'll be inside. Tell him everything is set.
5: Hello. will.
10: Hello, Cora.
9: Oh, won't you come in, Elliot? Thank you, my dear. Don't mind if I do. Mark here yet, Cora?
5: Yes. He's in the living room.
9: Oh, fine. Then you and Mark have agreed on the deal for me.
5: Yes, we have. Come in, Elliot. Everything's
4: set.
8: Though so Mark is waiting for Elliot in the uh, you'll pardon the expression, "Living room." <laughs> Whatever happens to Elliot actually serves him right. After all, here in the sanctum, we don't go for live people walking around as if they were ghosts. It's enough to scare the death out of us. Poor Cora is so nervous. She just can't look a corpus delicti in the prima facie. Well, enough grave philosophy. Suppose we let our star, Boris Karloff, take up our stark story where we left off. Everything was said. I planned
10: to kill Elliot with the knife I held behind me and I felt absolutely no compunction about it.
9: Are you... You're joking. No, Elliot. You're you're crazy. Cora, stop him. You'll never get away with it. Mark, no!
10: I buried him in the back of the house. I say I did, because Cora wasn't much used to anyone that night or for several days afterwards. She got over it as I knew she would. She got over it when she realized that I was right, that we had gotten away from it. And no one could ever know and no one would miss him. She got over it when I reminded her that in just one more week, we'd be sharing that $50,000. Just
5: one week?
10: That's right, Cora.
5: I've been a lot of trouble to you these past few days. I am sorry. Oh,
10: forget it. It's all over.
5: Yes, it is. I'll feel a lot better when the money's actually ours. Somehow, way in the back of my mind, I feel that maybe we won't... Look, You're...
10: darling, it's as good as ours now. There's nothing left in the way. Not a single
5: thing. One week.
10: That's all. Uh... Ah, now wouldn't you know. You expecting anyone? No. Evelyn. Not
11: at this hour.
10: Well, whoever it is, get rid of
11: it. Yes, darling. I'll get rid of him. Yes, Mrs. Stein. Yes, Mrs. Elliot Stein. That's right. I want to talk to you. Here's my card. Well, I'm sorry. I'm busy right now. Uh, too busy to see me. I can promise you that. Oh, now see here. Nice card, ain't it? Real fancy engraving. This. <sighs> Mrs. Mrs. Elliot Starnes. That's right. I'm the woman Elliot married after he disappeared seven years ago. Now, I don't think you're going to be too busy to see me after all. Do you?
10: Maybe it's fate. Maybe it's all in the cards. You work hard. You think out a plan that's letter perfect. Then up pops the unexpected, forcing you into the first desperate step to lick it. First Elliot Starnes himself, then his second wife that we didn't know existed.
11: And here's our wedding license, just in case you don't believe me. Here, you can look at it. Well,
10: take it easy, Cora. We believe you're his wife, Mrs. Starnes.
11: And he's got a birthmark? We
10: said we believe you. Now, what do you want?
11: Well, what does any good woman want? My husband.
10: Then why come here?
11: Where else would I go?
10: I'm afraid we don't understand, do we, Cora?
11: No. I'm afraid you do. Now, look here. I'm afraid you understand awful well. Elliot told me.
10: Told you what?
11: What you two were doing. You also told me if he should fail to come home after a couple of days. Mrs.
10: Starnes, we haven't seen your husband for seven years.
11: Now, you don't expect me to believe that, do you?
10: I don't see why not.
11: I do. You see, Mr. Devers, the other day, with my own eyes, I seen Elliot walk into this house. But I didn't see him walk out again. What's the matter, Mr. Devis? You got nothing to say?
10: But What do you want, Mrs. Starnes?
11: My husband, of course. Only since you killed him, I can't very well have that, can I? What? He's the only man I ever loved. And you killed him. I never should have let him come here. The days I begged him not to. Mrs. Starnes. I made a mistake letting him come here. I know that now. But I want him back. I love him and I want Elliot back. Do
10: you want your husband, Mrs. Starnes? Or a substantial sum of money? Huh? How much?
11: How can you talk about money at a time like this? Five
10: thousand.
11: I loved my husband, Mr. Dean. Seventy-five hundred. Well, how much? Twenty-five thousand. What? In cash, Mark.
10: Let me handle this, Cora. And if we refuse,
11: well, then I'll just naturally have to tell my story to the police, Mark. Cora. But you. Oh, let's drop all the small talk, Mr. Devers. I want twenty-five thousand, and I want it fast. Now make up your mind. I'll make up now, my mind now, of... Mr. Devers. Don't get rough. I'm not as dumb as my ex-husband. I've taken steps against anything happening to me. Uh, no, Mark. Better listen to her. You're not getting away with this. Then you don't get away with Elliot's murder. So help me, Before I... you put that hand on me, you better have your lady friend look out that window. What?
5: Hmm. There's a taxi across the street, Mark.
11: My taxi. And the driver knows I'm in here. You'd have to kill him, too. Elliot's ever-loving second wife is here to stay. And if you want to get her out of your life, the cost is gonna be twenty five thousand dollars. By this time tomorrow night.
5: After
10: she left, I had some work to do on Cora.
5: It won't be the same way, Mark. Not another murder.
10: Said anything like that.
5: Promise me. Not the same way.
10: Sure, sure promise. After all, if we can get away with twenty five thousand, is that so bad?
5: I'd rather settle for none of it. Huh? That money won't do us any good now. Why not? It just won't.
10: Oh, you're all upset. You'll feel differently day after tomorrow when you sign those papers in the insurance office and they hand that fat check over to you.
5: No, Mark. I'll never feel differently
10: about it again. I knew I couldn't work Cora my way much longer. But it was just two more days. Two more days to get that 50000 Just two things to settle in just two days. First, there was Mrs. Starr. When she came to my apartment the next night, I handed the envelope over to her.
11: It's all here?
10: You could open the envelope and count it if you like.
11: I don't have to, do I?
10: And <laughs> what if I cheated you?
11: You wouldn't. I could always come back.
10: You could always come back for more anyway.
11: What do you
10: think I am? Doesn't make any difference now, what I think.
11: Okay. No hard feelings.
10: There are, but they won't bother me for long.
11: Of course not. That money you're collecting will cure that.
10: I'll be cured before then.
11: That's your business.
10: It's yours, too, now.
11: I don't see how. Now, do you see? Put that knife down.
10: I will. Into you. you.
11: No, don't.
10: Please. That door's locked. You can't get out.
11: Don't. You can have the money back.
10: There isn't any money in that envelope. What? Just strips of newspaper. Where can I get $25,000? I don't
11: care about the money. I
10: do. I cared about it for seven years. Cared enough to murder once and I can do it again. (laughs) Now, Mrs. Darn, I've no hard feelings towards you. None at all. Just two things to take care of in just two days. The first, Mrs. Towns was taken care of, and the second was now just an hour away. The 50,000 was waiting in the insurance office for Cora. All she had to do was sign her name on some papers to get it. Oh, you can imagine how relieved I was as I sat next to Cora when she drove to the insurance office. But it was different with Cora. Cora didn't say a word.
5: There's nothing left to say, Mark.
10: Oh, money will make you talk, Cora. You wait and see. After you get your hands on the... Hey, you're taking the wrong street. No, Mark. Sure you are. This is the way.
5: It's the only way left for us, Mark. Huh? We're driving straight out of town. We're never coming back. There'll be no more murders. her. I know you killed that woman. Now,
10: where did you ever get that idea?
5: I paid her and she left. I was outside your apartment house last night.
10: All right. So you know now. What did you expect? I couldn't let it all go down the drain, not after seven years? Turn the car around. No. You're going to sign those papers. I want that money.
5: It's too late, Buck.
10: Like fun
5: it is. Let go. You're turning this car around. Mark,
9: the
10: wheel, let go. I wasn't even scratched in the crash. Cora wasn't that lucky. I rushed her here to the hospital. You heard what the doctor said. There's a
9: chance. Only a small one, but still a chance. Oh,
10: the doctor doesn't understand. There's got to be more than only one small chance. I was one hour away from that $50,000. Money that belongs to me, money that I've waited seven years for, and I won't be cheated out of it. Cora's got to live. She's got to sign those papers.
9: Well, doctor? There's, uh... Someone waiting for you down the corridor, Mr. Devers. What about Cora? There's still a chance, isn't there? No chance at all anymore. You're lying. The gentleman is waiting. You're lying. She's not dead. She can't be. The gentleman is from the police. She asked me to call. The lie. She's not dead. Mr. Devers, try to
10: understand. She is. No! It's not true, and I won't listen to you. She's got to sign those papers.
9: You've only got to keep her alive another hour. You're a doctor. You can do that. Mr. Devers, please. Seven years, don't you understand?
10: Oh, I can't let seven years go down the drain. Seven years. It can't turn out that way. No. She's not dead. <laughs>
8: <laughs> so Mark's 50,000 went down the drain, after all. And Mark went down the hatch of a scaffold. You know, I can't feel sorry for Mrs. Starnes. She should have known that a rolling widow gathers only mausoleum. Ha, <laughs> Yes, sir. When you use a dead husband for blackmail, you're bound to end up face down. Oh, a footnote. When you're dealing with life insurance, remember, honesty is the best policy. Well, friends, it's time once again to close that creaking door. Until next week at this same time, when we'll be back with a little hunk of horror. (laughs) You'll be sure to listen, aren't you? Until next week then, good night, pleasant dreams. Mm.